hope y'all are enjoying the nice cool weather. I know I am. We're going to start our worship off this morning with hymn number 509, My Faith Looks Upon Thee, or Up to Thee, excuse me, if you'll please stand. It is so good to see you here today. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, There's some visitor's cards in the hymn racks. If you would fill one of those out, if you're here for the first time, we'd appreciate it. And also, if you have any special prayer requests, we'll honor those this coming week. Uh, One of our deacons, Tim Clayton, is going to come lead us in opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and kind, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful for this beautiful day you've given us. Lord, we just come to you now and just bowing our heads down to thank you for what you have done for us this week and what you're going to do for us. Lord, we ask that you would be with us this week as we start our revival. Be with Sean as he delivers the word, Lord, and be with us that we may open our hearts and our minds to your word and go out and spread your love to each and every person that we meet. Lord, is in your precious and glorious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tim, so much. Again, please notice in your uh, bulletin the weekly schedule. This is our fall revival. Uh, Tonight we'll have a covered dish supper at 6 o'clock in the fellowship hall. Each night we'll have a prayer time at 6.50 in room 119. That is uh, Wallace and Ronnie Clayton Sunday School Classroom will begin the praise and worship time at 7.10, and the revival services will begin at 7.30.
we still got some of the posters and also the little invitation cards that you can give out to invite people to revival, and I hope that you'll do that. I hope that you will be in prayer for the revival and that you'll invite others to come. Wednesday night is our family night, and we'll have a family night supper at 6. You need to sign up for that. Uh, Sheets are in the Sunday school classrooms, and uh, that will be at 6 o'clock, followed by the services. We need folks to volunteer to stay in the nursery as well as uh, you're signing up for the supper, too. But this will go through Thursday night. Please be in prayer for our speaker, Reverend Sean Clark. We'll be introducing him in just a few minutes. Uh, Quickly, let me uh, point out the two inserts, the care for the troops. Uh, Please help with this. If you've got any questions, contact Janet Moore. And also uh, some of the uh, youth activities on the pink sheet and uh, especially uh, the uh, Beach Mountain ski trip. Again, I'll just get you to look at that if you are a youth parent. Um, We have also been asked to announce uh, and invite the church family to the wedding of, um, of Kristen Butts and Andrew Clayton. That will be this coming Saturday at 5 o'clock at City Lake Farms. And again, farms. Did I say Look, A little inside joke. Uh, Kirby was telling us how we weren't pronouncing some of the words right in singing. And one of the choir members was talking about how Roxburgh has its own dialect. So a farm is a farm. Okay, you got it? Okay, I just edu- we're going to educate you while you're here. All right, but everybody in the church is invited to that. Um, this morning, uh, I don't know uh, if you've noticed that Joyce Wren is back uh, after being in a hospital for seven and a half weeks between the hospital taking the uh, treatment and then in physical therapy in a rehab center. Uh, Joyce has written a thank you note to the church, and she said that she would not be able to um, to read it, uh, but she asked me if I would. So this is from Joyce and Ricky. First of all, I would like to say thanks for all the cards, gifts, and especially the prayers that were sent out for Ricky and and me. Ricky has been right there with me through all of this. I don't know what I would have done without him. I thought I really knew God before I got sick, but I have really experienced something the last two months. I know about all the prayers that have been sent to heaven for me. I could feel God's presence with me. I was really sick when they put me in the intensive care unit. I did not know what my Savior had in store for me, so I prayed and told God I was putting my life into his hands. My family, friends, and Herbert know how sick I was, but look at me now. I am living proof that all these prayers were answered. I have had a couple of friends tell me I was God's miracle. All of my cancer cells are dead, and the leukemia is now in remission. My red and white blood cells are where they should be. God has been through all of this with me, and I know he will be with me through everything that I have to face in the future. Please, if you do not know God as your Lord and Savior, take the time to open your heart and let him in. And that is from Joyce. And as we look at the prayer list... um, You'll see, although Joyce is here this morning, she's going to be admitted back into Duke tonight and will take five consecutive days of chemotherapy. She should be hopefully coming home um, on Friday. She'll have to do this three times. Uh, But again, uh, God is good, and Joyce, we're glad that you are back. 
Uh, also remember at Duke, Ricky Dixon, Eddie Paul will have surgery uh, on Tuesday of this week. Katie Reagan was admitted back into Duke uh, yesterday. Um, please continue to remember Katie in prayer. She's having it real tough right now. At Person Memorial, Sadie Carver, Francis Evans, Bo Clayton. Uh, Earl Humphreys is scheduled to come home Tuesday from Hillcrest Rehab, and that will certainly be a, um, a miracle, too. Um, Billy Phelps had surgery Friday at Duke Regional. She came home yesterday. Please continue to remember uh, Bud Jones, Hugh Martin, many others in nursing centers, but please remember them. Uh, at home, uh, Franklin Briggs. Franklin had a heart catheterization done uh, on Thursday in South Boston, but he is out of the hospital now. Others at home, uh, Weldon Bowes, uh, Doug Carver, uh, Joyce Chambers, Lance's mother, Brenda Stegall, Rick Allen, Mickey and Sammy Brandon, Linda Carver, uh, Jeanette Hargrove, Shirley King, who was in the hospital this past week also, Rosa Mae Lewis, Geraldine Solomon, Sabra Whalen, Donna Wilburn, Bubba Wren, and please continue to remember Steve Evans' dad who lives in Bladenboro. His name is Edgar. Please continue to remember him. Gracie Long died early yesterday morning. The visitation is tonight from 6 until 7.30 at Brooks and White, and then the funeral will be here tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock here at the church. Now, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the testimony of Joyce and Ricky, that you are faithful. Thank you, Father, that regardless of our circumstance, your grace is always sufficient to meet our needs. We thank you, Lord, that Joyce is back today, and we pray your blessings upon her as she begins another round of chemo. And God, for all the others that are on our prayer list, Lord, the needs are, are so many, but yet we're thankful that your supply of grace is unlimited. And so, Father, we lift all these up to you, and we pray your blessings upon them. Lord, we would pray for the Long family that you'll bless them as they grieve the loss of Gracie. We pray that even this day and tomorrow and the days ahead that you'll minister to them and comfort them. And God, all of us have needs within our hearts and minds. What a stressful life we live. But yet, Father, thank you that through prayer and supplication, we can bring all of our anxieties to you. And thank you that through your son, you give us a peace that surpasses human knowledge and understanding. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for this week of revival. How we pray that you would bless us as a church. God, remind us that we must be open to you reviving us. So give us receptive hearts and minds to the word of God and to the message that Sean will be led to deliver to us. God, please help us that we'll not become an average, typical Baptist church that simply tries to meet on Sundays and keep the lights on and pay the bills. But God, help us to impact not only this community, but our world with the gospel of your son. Father, thank you for all that will come this week. I pray, Father, that you'll bless the services. May we have a spirit of love and fellowship. And God, may visitors be welcomed. And God, again, may your word be preached. As we pray together, we remember the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And our verse for the month of October is Jeremiah 8.20. Let's read this together. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. At this time, we're going to ask our young children to come down to the front for the children's moment. Come on, these blocks are mine. 
The dinos rolled their eyes. Finally, Triceratops said, let's go, guys. I don't need them anyway, said the mighty short. If I build a better tower by myself. Look at this, he shouted, the biggest tower ever, but there was no dino around here. The Minosaur wanted to laugh and play too, so he gathered up all the stuff that was his and headed toward the dinos. The Minosaur asked, won't some snacks? The other dinos turned their backs. I brought the box for us to stack. Come on, let's share. The Minosaur started saying, please, I brought some toys, I'll give you these. The dinos stared down at their knees. They just didn't care. Okay then, said the Minosaur. He put all the stuff down. You guys should play. The dinos looked at each other. Isn't this your stuff? Asked Stagosaurus. The Minosaur shook his head. <coughs> I should have taken it. The Minosaur was still walking when he heard the dinos shout, Wait! They said, We want to play with you. Said Minosaur, You really do? The dinos nodded, yes, it's true. If you'll share, it's fine. The Minosaur yelled, it's a deal. I have the thing I wanted, Will. You don't know how this makes me feel. My friend, you're mine. Mine, mine, mine. Now, what's the moral of the story? Don't be a Minosaur, all right? That's right, Adam. Don't be a Minosaur. How many of us have been Minosaurs? Hi, adults. How many of us have been It's mine, mine, mine. If you have a brother or sister, do you find them and say, This is mine? Have you ever had that happen? Your husband's wife? How many of us look at God and say, This is mine, mine, mine? When it's his, his, his. Don't be a minor story. That's what we're trying to say. That's the story. Don't be a minor story. Okay? <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this very simple book that teaches us that if we're going to live like Jesus, we're going to share everything we have with others, most especially our love and faith in you. So I pray for these young children as they grow up that they'll not become minor stories, but they'll be like your son. They would do unto others as they would want them to do unto them. Help us, Lord, to follow you in all that we do. And help us not to say, mine, 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 but help us to give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much. All right, we're going to continue our worship with hymn number 490, Send a Great Revival. You'll please stand.
Stand, would you lead us, please? Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day you've provided us with. We thank you for this place that we have come to worship you. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace, but most of all, we thank you for your Son, our Savior. Father, we ask that you would bless these tithes and offerings, bless the gifts and the givers. All these things we ask in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. I like a choir director as it's always primed. I forgot to tell Kirby that I was going to introduce, uh, say a few words of introduction to Sean before we sang. Uh, Sean, as many of you know, probably all of you know, uh, grew up here in this community and even here within the church. He is a son of Larry and Deborah Clark and grandson of Wallace Clayton. Uh, Sean, we are glad to have you back. Um, God has done a mighty work in Sean's life and in his wife and family, and for that we are very grateful. Uh, he serves at Snowbird uh, Outfitters, and um, mo- all of our youth know who he is, but as adults, let me again remind you, he started working with Snowbird in 2000. Uh, he and his wife, uh, Bethany, got married in 2004, and he not only serves uh, full-time at Snowbird, but he also is one of the pastor and elders at Red Oak Church there in Andrews, North Carolina, where the, where the camp is at. Uh, each night I'll give you a little bit more detail on them. Um, if, if you've known them very long, you know that they have five sons, uh, Ty, Gabe, Luke, Levi, and they recently adopted their fifth son, uh, Zeke. 
I'm saying that correct, Zeke. It is Kathy. And Sean, God bless you. We're glad to have you back. We look forward to you leading us in worship and after the choir sings, if you'll come. Good morning. Good morning. So this is the 8:30 service. <laughs> we, uh, with my church, Red Oak, uh, back in Andrews, um, since a lot of us are heavily involved with the camp ministry. Uh, a few years ago, when we when we planted the church, we met on Monday nights. Um, but then, in the past few years, we've been able to switch that to Sunday nights. So. We meet uh, every Sunday night at 6 o'clock, so I'm not used to this 8.30 stuff. <laughs> but it'll be all right. I also uh, have heard uh, since I got here this morning that um, my presence here has gotten uh, my papa here at the 8.30 service. And so uh, I guess um, uh, those, of, those of you that like to uh, come at the 11 o'clock uh, decided to share, uh, started to sh- show up at the uh, 8:30 but um I was getting ready this morning and um I truly am I'm I'm thankful to be here um it's it's been a long time 
uh, for me since I've actually stood up here. Um, uh, for me, back in, I think it was 1999, I actually got to preach a few times um, and got to speak to the church. Um, but it's been a long time since I've been up here. And um, with with what I'm responsible for back home and uh, what I've been called to back in Andrews, it's hard for me to get back uh, to Roxborough. And uh, for that, it's it's hard on uh, people that I care about um, here. Um, but uh, hopefully, you know, through the years, um, the Lord will allow us to, to get here more. Um, but as I was getting ready this morning, uh, my mom and I uh, were we were talking and she was talking about how um how proud uh you know uh, people would be to have me you know come speak at Theresa and and I was just like well you know that's that's cool to hear you know um but I was telling her I was like you know hope hopefully they don't see me that they see Jesus and they hear from Jesus and uh and um and so I, I was like you know I, I don't want them to see me I want to hear them to hear from the Lord. And, and I walked back through the bathroom and, uh, one of the twins, Luke, he said, but daddy, I see you. And, and I said, yes, son, you do. You see me. And, uh, but, um, no, I, I am, I'm, I'm so thankful, uh, to be here today. Um, and it has been a long time, uh, for me, um, I haven't always been able to say, I'm glad to come back to Roxborough. Um, because for me, um, there was a lot of reminders of my past. Um, when I come, uh, driving down 49, when I get off of 40 and I get on 49 and I start coming, uh, through Hall River and, uh, a lot of through, through the years, a lot of, um, anxiousness would build up in me, um, as I would pass certain things and it would, it would uh set off reminders uh of of things um how i used to be um and uh reminders of how how selfish of a person that i used to be and how self-centered um for a long time my life was just all about Sean and whatever made Sean happy is what i pursued and um i know a lot of uh, a lot of you sitting here today you can you can um you can see that in your own life. And, um, but through the years, the Lord has, uh, as he's changed me and he's sanctified me and he's grown me, those, those, uh, emotions that I feel when I come home have changed. And, um, we, for me, it's, it's been a long time. And so for me now to come home, I truly can say, I'm glad to be home. And, um, and I'm thankful for the work that Christ has done in me to get me there. And this week, my prayer is that this would be a time of self-examination, a time of self-reflection. As we look um, at the Word of God, um, we're going to just ask ourselves uh, just simple questions. Um, When we see the Word, James says in, in 1, 22 through 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and, and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and per- perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
In simple terms, James is saying here, as we look at the word, as we hear from the word, as we read the word, look at it as a mirror and see what's being reflected back. In simple terms, is what we're hearing and what we're reading, is it true in our lives? Are they one and the same? Not to say that we don't struggle and we don't battle with sin, but really is what we're seeing and what we're, we're hearing from the Word of God, what's being preached Sunday after Sunday, or what we're reading in our devotional times, is it one and the same? And can we see the Lord's work on our lives? And do we see our daily need for the gospel? I'm going to read an article, um, and this is called The Gospel in Six Minutes. It's uh, by one pastor that's uh, been real influential in my life um, through his reading and, and listening to his uh, his preaching, but uh, Pastor John Piper, um, and it says, The Gospel in Six Minutes, What's the Gospel? What's the gospel? I'll put it in a sentence. The gospel is the news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for his sin, died for our sins and rose again, eternally triumphant over all the, all of our enemies and all of his enemies. So that there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy. That's the gospel. You can't outgrow the gospel. You never, never, never outgrow your need for it. Don't ever think that the gospel of the gospel as and that's just the way you get saved and then you get strong by leaving it and doing something else no we are strengthened by god through the gospel every day till the day we drop you never outgrow the need to preach the gospel to yourself how the gospel strengthens here's an illustration and I, i use it not because it's any big deal to speak from my life but because it's what i walk through and where i have i most pointedly in the last year experienced the power of the gospel to make me strong many of you are walking through things much heavier than prostate cancer much heavier do you remember these the verses that i shared with you back in february that it was that it was that moment right after the doctor says i think we need to do a biopsy when this stab of fear comes it didn't last long mercifully and then came what First Thessalonians five, nine through nine, nine through ten. It's just as pure gospel as you can get. God has not destined you for wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for you, so that you, whether you wake or sleep, you will never, you will live with him, settled, peace like a river. The gospel is perfect for, our, perfect for your needs. That's just gospel. Perfectly timed, perfectly applied, perfectly suited to my, to my need. That's why the Bible is so thick. Because there are so many different needs that you have. And there are suitable places where the gospel is unfolded for you. So that if you immerse yourself in the whole book, always with an eye for what Christ has wrought for you and purchased for you in this thick, glorious history of God's interaction with people, he will give you what you need. Therefore, everything in me says... And I hope to say until the day that I die. Now to him who is able to strengthen me according to Paul's gospel to him. To that God be glory forever and ever. God came into history in Jesus Christ. He died in order to destroy the power of hell and death and Satan and sin. He did it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. A plea to believe. I know that there are people reading this who are not trusting Jesus Jesus Christ. And therefore... 
I can only expect condemnation. So I'm just going to plead with you here at the end. Lay down that rebellion, lay it down, and simply embrace the gospel that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the righteous one, died for your sins. He was raised on the third day, triumphant over all his enemies. He reigns until he puts all of his enemies under his feet. Forgiveness of sins and right standing with God come freely through him alone by faith. I plead with you, don't try to be strong in your own strength. It will not, it will not be there when you need it. Only one strength will be there, the strength that God gives according to the gospel. Don't put it off. That's the gospel. That's what we're going to look at this week. And my prayer is that we never outgrow our need for the gospel. We always need the gospel. We always need its influence in our life. I want to to do something that's going to make, maybe make some of you feel awkward at this time. But I want all of us to stand together and I want to pray over this next week. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, right now I, I'm I'm confessing my need for you, Father, and um continually do so. Father, I'm I'm a I still every day I battle with my own selfishness, my own sin, my flesh. Father, I battle with what the world is calling me to, what our culture is calling me to. Father, I I struggle with temptations that uh, Satan dangles in front of me. We all do. So, Father, right now I'm praying. I'm praying, Father, just like I said before, that I wouldn't be seen or heard, but, Father, Jesus would be seen and heard. You, our good Father, would be seen and heard. The Holy Spirit would be felt and heard. And I pray, Father, that as we look into your word, as we hear from your word, that you would just only use me as a mouthpiece, Father, to speak to your children and also speak to those who are still trapped in darkness. Father, we're not naive enough to to believe that everyone in here is a follower of Christ. Father, we're not naive enough to know that there are people struggling here today. Father, we all struggle at different times. There's different aspects of struggle. There's different aspects of suffering. And we all feel it. That's why the gospel is so important to to us, Father. That's why we need the gospel so much. And my prayer, Father, this week as we look into the word, as James was saying, I pray that we would look at it as a mirror and see what's reflecting back. See if what we hear and what we read is true of our lives. Father, are we truly following you or are we just playing games? Because in the end, when we stand before you, there will be no more games. There will only be you and us. And the only answer we'll be able to give you in this life, if we're truly following you, is Jesus. We'll only be able to speak those words, nothing else. We won't be able to point to anything in our lives that's good enough to earn your favor. The only thing we'll be able to say is Jesus. 
I can stand before you because of Jesus. Father, we need the gospel. And I pray, Father, that your spirit would reign supreme, that we would feel your Holy Spirit, not only through the hearing and the preaching of your word, but through our time of worship, that we would be ushered into the throne room of grace and we would be able to lift words honestly because you are worthy of praise and we would seek to praise you because we we really do. That's what we want to do is just praise you. And Lord, uh, I pray for these that are here this week. I pray that I pray for visitors that will come um, just because that Theresa's holding a revival. And I pray that you would work in a mighty way, Father, and that we would see our need for the gospel continually. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. We need the gospel. We need Jesus. Just as the article stated, we never outgrow our need for the gospel. Today we will look at four different groups of people. And we all represent these four different groups. And the first thing I want to do today um, is look at our spiritual condition. Turn with me now and let's read out of Ephesians chapter 2. I'll read the first ten verses. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. And through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In verses 1 and 3, there are three major emphases that I want to point out. Number one, that without a Savior, all people are dead in sin and incapable of any spiritual good. And I know for a fact that that's, that's true in my life. No matter what I did before the day I got rescued from my sin, there was nothing I could do to earn the favor of God. And so there is nothing we can do um, in, our, in and of ourselves. Number two, that without a Savior, all people, people are captured and blinded by an evil supernatural person named Satan. And we need to realize that. And we're going to talk more detail about that later on this week. And number three, that without a Savior, all people are under the wrath of God and sentenced to eternal torment and hell. Separated from Christ, separated from God. That's where people will spend in eternity. 
This represents all of us. This is our condition spiritually before salvation. Now let's look at what uh, verses 4 through 10 say. And I want to read those again real quickly. Verses 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, in the... So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now this is awesome news for us. Those of us that are submitted to Christ's lordship in our life. We were dead, but God made us alive in Christ. We were not strugglers in need, in need of a helping hand or a sinking swimmer in need of a raft. We were stone cold dead, spiritually lifeless, without a spiritual pulse, without anything to please God. But he loves the loveless, gives life and is merciful to those deserving no mercy. That's us. That's us before Christ. As we will see in the, uh, as we get into these four different groups of, of people, we are either alive in Christ and saved to do his good work, or we are still spiritually dead in need of Jesus to rescue us from our condition. As I walk through these people groups, there are, there are some questions that we need to, that need to be brought out and, and questions that we need to really ask ourselves. I was telling Herbert, before uh, we came up this morning, I guess my preaching style or uh, the way I deliver a message, I'm going to have a lot of questions for us. And that's why it's so important, as, as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians thirteen five, to examine ourselves continually to see whether we're in the faith. And so these questions, we, we continually, I want, I want them to be thought of. I don't want them to be reflected on. As you hear us walk, walk through these four different people groups, really ask yourselves these questions. Number one, am I alive in Christ? Only you know that inner monologue that goes on inside of you. That inner conversation that we're continually having. Only you know, you and God. We know that God sees all. And so as we're asking ourselves these questions, as we're comparing our lives, we're, we're looking at that reflection of what the Word's saying, really asking ourselves, am I alive in Christ? Number two, is there any fruit of His active hand in my life? Really, as we read the Word of God and we hear what God has done in others, other people's lives, as we, as we come to church and we hear testimonies like the letter that Herbert wrote, uh, read um, by a woman that's just gone through a time of suffering, but she's experiencing God. She's growing out of this time of suffering. What what do you experience? And is there any fruit of his active hand in your life? And I'm not talking about just showing up for church on Sunday mornings. Anyone can do that. I did it for a long time. Anyone can do that. Is there fruit of his active hand in your life? Number three, is the gospel daily shaping me and driving me? 
Is the gospel the lens that you see all of life through? I know for me, the way I raise my boys, the way I I approach Bethany as her husband, the way I do my job, the way I approach conversations at a basketball game, the way I do life, the lens that I see life through is the gospel. How can I get people into conversations about Jesus? Because I want to extend to them the same grace and mercy that was extended to me. Is that part of your life? Is the gospel the lens that you see life through? And that's a very easy question to ask. And in that inner conversation that you're having with yourselves right now, as you're asking yourselves, you know God's dealing with you. If the answer is no, the gospel is not the lens that I see life through. Those are the kinds of questions that I want us to ask ourselves through this week. Number four, am I out of my own strength trying to appease God or am I getting my strength through his spirit's leading? And we know what that feels like. We know what it feels like to try to appease God, do a good work and say, God, you see that? You see what I just did right there? And we know that's not the way he wants us to operate. Actually, he turns his back on those kinds of operations, on those deeds, because it's a a work of our hands. It's not a work that the Spirit has led us to do. So these are questions that I really want us to, I want us to think about. Am I alive in Christ? Is there fruit of his active hand in my life? Is the gospel daily shaping me and driving me? Am I out of my own strength trying to appease God or am I getting my strength through his spirit's leading? First group we want to look at are those who are just in blatant rebellion to God. Those that that are sitting here this morning and say, yep, I know the gospel has nothing to do with my life. Nothing at all. This is the person that says by words and the way that they live their lives that they care nothing about the gospel. At one point, this was me. Really, we've all been there. We've been at this point where we're all in rebellion to God. But for me, I can I can go back at this time in my life and clearly see that I wanted nothing to do with the gospel. I can remember sitting in these seats, mainly because I was made to come on Sunday mornings. My mom and dad, they, they made me come. But just sitting in the here, here and, and hearing the gospel being preached, it had no effect on me, and I wanted to have no effect on me. I didn't see my need to be rescued from the slavery of sin that I was in. I thought I could handle life and anything it threw at me just fine on my own. If this is you, I can say with you right now that you need Jesus. You need to be rescued because you are dead. You are spiritually dead, and I plead with you to turn to Christ and be saved. I pray that this morning or this week, as the Spirit deals with you, that that all would change, as it did for me and so many others years ago, or maybe even weeks ago, where you cry out to him and say, Lord, help me. I'm tired of doing this on my own. Or trying to do this on my own. And I need you. I need the gospel. The next group I would like to look at. Is those who claim to know Jesus with their mouths. But their lives are telling a different story. 
Listen as I read from 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. I wrote to you in, a letter, in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually, sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of this world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of the br- name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what I have, what ha- what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Now, here in this text, Paul is speaking on the subject of church discipline, specifically in this text. Which is a subject that a lot of churches uh, in, in, in our culture, they, they don't operate in. But that's, a, that's another subject um, to, talk about, uh, to talk about later. Where the gospel is at work. Holiness and true pursuit of Jesus will be the result. I'm not saying that there are not going to be times in a believer's life where there are there aren't times of struggle with uh, battling against sin, because I know my battle every day, and we'll talk more about that later this week. But what I am talking about are those who confess with their mouths to be saved, to be a child of God, and as they announce that to people whether it's a family member asking them or a friend their life is telling a completely different story the fruit that they're bearing is telling a completely different story and to put it put it into simple terms those who confess christ but their lives still look like an unbeliever I have one probing eternal question for those of you today that you know you're in this category. Does the story you proclaim, does the testimony you proclaim with your mouth line up with the life that you live? Are they one and the same? If this is you, you are in need of the gospel's transformational work in your life as well. Turn to Christ, repent, and plead with him to change you. And I have a great concern for people that are in this category. Because the, the, the self-deception that goes on to believe that you are pursuing Christ and really not. The level of self-deception goes deep in there. And I've, with my position at camp, I get into so many conversations with, with people that they're talking like this they they say well i've confessed christ with my life i believe that i'm i'm saved but my life looks like this and there's no way for me as a human to judge their life and to judge their heart but what we can do as believers is judge the fruits of someone's life so is what the message you're saying with your mouth is it lining up with the story that your life is telling The third group I would like to look at is the religious, the self-righteous. Now, I have a great deal of concern for this group of people as well because there is also a level of self-deception that goes along with this group. 
I would like to share a story about a dear friend of mine back home. His name is Dwight. Dwight runs a saw shop in Murphy, North Carolina. Two years ago, Dwight was gloriously saved at a revival in his home church. This is an awesome part of the story. The sad part of the story is that for 30 years prior, Dwight had been living a lie. See, Dwight would have told you before the revival that he was a follower of Christ. He would have walked, walked you through all of his good deeds he was doing for God. He would have told you that he was a deacon in his church. And he would have told you that he had prayed a prayer of salvation at a young age. But what he would have not told you before the revival is the way that he was approaching God. He was trying to earn God's approval through the works of his own hands. Dwight, until that night at the revival, did not realize how empty those previous years had been until he truly saw that he could not be committed enough or do enough to earn God's favor. See, before that, that revival, Dwight was spiritually blinded and spiritually dead. Now you go into Dwight's shop, and the man that stands before you is a man that has truly been changed by the gospel. Dwight now tells anyone that will listen to him how the Holy Spirit and God's word are daily changing and shaping him to look and more look and love more like Jesus. It's so cool to go in there now and talk to Dwight. Just like I was talking about living your life through the lens of the gospel, Dwight is truly doing that. Everything about Dwight, the way he works on a saw, the way he works on a lawnmower, the way he talks to people in just general conversation, he's all, it's all in, in, uh, the, I guess the pursuit to point people to Jesus. Every conversation he is having. And it's so cool to see him and to hear him. Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many and mighty, mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to him that I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I pray that that is never said to me. I pray that that's never said to anyone that is sitting in here. I want to read a quote from a commentary that I was studying this passage in uh, some time ago. Listen again to what he said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? These are stunning words. Jesus is saying that not everyone who addressed him in terms of deep affections would be saved. Some of of them, he said, would come to him on that day of judgment, and still addressing him in terms of intimate affection would remind him of all that they had done for him. In modern terms, they would say, Dearest Lord, didn't we preach for you? Didn't we share testimonies for you? Didn't we go to the mission field for you? Didn't we give tithes to you? These people would honestly believe they were in an intimate relationship with Jesus and that they had served him faithfully. But Jesus said that they would be deceived. He said, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 
Can you imagine that? Can you imagine people coming to the judgment seat of Christ, calling upon him as a close friend, appealing to him to accept their devotion and service, only to hear Jesus say, in essence, it's not a question of whether you knew me. The question is whether I know you. I do not believe there could be anything more terrible than to stand before Jesus and to hear him say, I don't know who you are. You you do not belong here. Please leave. I don't know who you are. I never knew you. Do you see now why that I, that I say these are the most terrifying words Jesus ever uttered? Anyone can say, Lord, Lord, but many who do do so are only honoring him with their lips. Many make false professions of faith and deceive themselves into thinking that they belong to Jesus. But they have never repented, never put their trust in Christ, and never embraced him in their hearts. Only those whose hearts have been changed by God, the Holy Spirit, can say, Lord, Lord, and really mean it. On the other hand, can you imagine any greater joy than to stand before Christ at the end of the age and hear him speak your name and say, Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. There are no more comforting words than those. Therefore, I exhort you. Make sure that you know that he knows you. Sobering words. Very sobering words. That's why it's so important for us to examine, to reflect. True belief moves us. It changes us. It changes who we were, like Paul talked about in Ephesians 2. I know for me in 1999, April of 1999, he completely changed my world. I was walking one way towards death and destruction. And he changed me. He rescued me. And he's daily changing me. As I look into his word... And the battle that rages within me in the flesh, the, the evil man that I still deal with, the evil person that we all know we still deal with, that war rages, and we're going to talk more about that this week. But I know he has changed me from the man that I once was, the man that was trapped in darkness. Do you know him, and does he know you? There's a huge difference between a head knowledge of Jesus and a heart knowledge of Jesus. It also talks about in uh, in James that the demons, they know who Jesus is and they shudder. But we also know where the, the demons will spend in eternity separated from God. So there is a difference between a knowledge in your head and a belief that changes your life. The last people group we will look at are true believers. And what I I want to do is encourage you to continue to passionately pursue Jesus. If this is you, keep fighting. Keep pursuing him. Stay in his word. We never stop needing the gospel's influence in our lives. We need Jesus' sanctifying work in our lives daily. 
We need the gospel's work in our lives to daily fight sin, to battle what the world and Satan are calling us to. Think back to where we started today in Ephesians 2. We have been rescued from our sins. We were sons and daughters of disobedience, once followed the desires of our flesh, and were by nature children of wrath. We were separated from God, and now he has shown us mercy. Because he has loved us, we have been made alive in Christ, saved by grace, seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for his good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Believers, preach this to yourselves daily. Daily go to this living water and drink. The gospel, as we will learn more about this week, gives us hope. There's hope in the gospel, no matter what we go through. And for me, I go back to that letter that Herbert just read. There's hope in that letter through suffering, through trials, through hard times. There's hope. That's why it's so important to go back daily to the gospel. We need the gospel. We never stop needing the gospel's influence over us. I want to go back to the question I asked earlier today. Does the story you proclaim, does the testimony you proclaim with your mouth, does it line up with the way that you live? My point today has not been to get anyone to doubt their salvation. My point today has been to get all of us to examine our lives. We never outgrow this need to self-examine our lives. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I'm going to ask Herbert to come up. And during this time of invitation, whether you need to just sit and reflect on your own while you're sitting and go through what we've just talked about personally or whether you need to come talk to Herbert or I would love to talk to anyone that needs to talk or if you just want to come up here and kneel and spend some time in prayer The only thing I know that we all need this morning is the gospel. We never outgrow it. I'm going to pray right now. And as you feel led, I pray that you would move as the Holy Spirit moves you. I pray that you would deal personally with what he's speaking to you. Let's pray. Lord. I confess to you, Father, I, I struggle daily. Father, we all do. We all need you, Father. And Lord, as we walk through this scripture, as we walk through these different people groups, one of those people groups is, rep, we represent one of those. 
And Father, either we're, we are alive and we are pursuing you, or we're still dead in trespasses and sins, and we need to be rescued. And Father, I know that there are, there are believers in here today that are caught up in laziness and complacency. And I pray, Father, that you would wake them up. Wake them up to the realization that this life is not about them. And we don't have time to sit in this laziness and complacency. Father, we don't have time to sit in our own complaints. We don't have time to sit in our own self-deception. We need to be at work. And you have given us a task, Father, to go out and preach the gospel to our neighbors, to love them as ourselves, to serve and use that as a platform to share the gospel. And there's many of us in here that are not doing that, Father. There's many of us in here today that spend no time in your word. And that is in straight contradiction to what you say in John 8.38. You say that Jesus says that if people are truly his, that they abide in his word. That means we live in your word. And that there, there are many of us in here today that that's not the fruit of our lives. So, Father, I pray that your spirit would fall heavy upon us right now. I pray that we would use this time as a time of self-reflection, use this week. I pray that we wouldn't only think about what's being said here today, but, Father, these these questions would continue to ring in our heads even after we're long gone from here today. While we're sitting, eating lunch, while we're spending time with our families, while we're eating supper tonight, while we go to work tomorrow, we will continually examine our lives and see what we're doing with this life that you've given us. Lord, we need you. We need the gospel's daily influence in our lives. We need to preach this to ourselves. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
laws in our court. God's going to be here and he will be speaking through this person. We have a mind to hear and a heart to receive the word of God. He will speak to us and bless us and even bring revival. And I pray that you will. Thank you, Shiloh, so much. Stephanie, God bless you, guys. Hold your turn. Look, Deborah, after the closing prayer, we've been down to the fellowship hall today. I want to ask you, come on down to the fellowship hall before you go to Sunday school. Speak with Sean and with his family as we get to know them better during the week. Remind you again to come to supper at 6 o'clock to bring something. It'll be a good time of fellowship. We'll pray tonight at 10 minutes to 7. We will present at 7 10. Uh, there'll be special music, but the Word of God, the gospel will be shared. Please pray. If you can't be here, please pray that God will be here and bless us as we gather in Chris Hutchins, you lead us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, just help us prepare ourselves for this week, a time that we set aside for revival. God, just help us to be truly revived. Help us to reflect on each one of, one of our lives. God, just do as Sean, speak through him um, as he goes through his daily uh, walk this week. God, just speak to him, to each message you have prepared through him. God, just prepare us to hear your word, to be willing to separate ourselves from the world and prepare us for the gospel. God, just lead, guide, and direct us all. Pray in Jesus' name.